Hey, welcome to Whitefields Community Church Sermon Extra. Great to have you with us this week. And I'm here with Pastor Nick Katie. He is the pastor of Whitefields Community Church here in Longmont, Colorado. And we are into the second uh, sermon of our series called The Risen Life as we kicked it off on Easter weekend as we look at the post-resurrection appearances of Jesus to his disciples. And this week we looked at uh, Luke chapter 24. Uh, verses 1 through 49, especially uh, focusing on the road to Emmaus, and the title of the sermon was uh, Seeing Jesus Anew. And if you missed that, whitefieldschurch.com, you can get over there and you can download it. And uh, also any of your favorite streaming platforms, you can find it there. And if you would, please like and subscribe. And if you could rate and review, especially on Apple Music, that's just a great way of getting our, our content out there when people are asking questions about life, about God, and these kind of things, and we can provide them with gospel-centered, Christ-centered content. So if you do that, that would be greatly appreciated. But yep, whitefieldschurch.com, you missed the sermon. We're looking at Luke chapter 24, seeing Jesus anew. And there was a couple of questions that kind of uh, came up during this one. And, and that one is, comes from the text where it says, you know, as Jesus meets these two guys that are on the road to Emmaus, of course, they're probably pretty distraught over the, the events that just had happened. And, but it says there that they were their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And somebody asked, like, why would God keep them from recognizing Jesus? Yeah, and it, it's not totally clear, right? Was that phrase, they were kept from it, does it mean that they were kept by an outside agent, meaning... God in this case from recognizing Jesus or is it just a, a turn of a phrase that just means that they couldn't recognize him because he looks so different we don't know for sure but let's assume that that is insinuating that they could not because there was some reason why God didn't allow them to see um, great question why not like what would be the point in that and uh, the only real thing that comes to my mind, and, and maybe there's more out there, but the thing that comes to my mind is that I think that Jesus wanted them to uh, consider what he was saying about the prophets and about the scriptures before they got all caught up in recognizing who he was. In other words, I think he wanted them to come to this realization before it all clicked that this was Jesus, right? To, to accept the information, not because it was Jesus saying it to them, or perhaps if they would have realized that it was him and he had resurrected and they were seeing him, they would have just been so freaked out and, and happy and joyful that they would have been distracted. In fact, it says there later on in the same passage, uh, we didn't spend a lot of time talking about, it, but it says in Luke 24 that because of their joy, they had a hard time believing that it was true. And so I think that this, this idea that you're so overwhelmed by something that, you know, you went from these extremes of emotion that perhaps they would have been distracted from just thinking in maybe a, a real rational or linear fashion about the, the things that the scriptures said about the prophecies, about the Messiah's suffering, and then all the things in Moses and the law and the prophets that spoke about Jesus. Yeah, I think that was my initial reaction as well is that you know, Jesus obviously wanted to show them something about himself before showing himself, you know, physically. And I think that was kind of been the, the issue throughout the New Testament. We find that uh, the disciples, the people that Jesus came to got caught up on the physical and not seeing Jesus for who he was. And that's why they're distraught. They're like, 
this was supposed to be the Savior who was going to come save us and bring his kingdom, and he didn't do it. He died. You know, we saw it with Nicodemus. We saw it with the woman in the well. We saw it with Peter and his interaction with, with Jesus. You know, this idea that Jesus was going to bring a physical kingdom and overthrow the Romans, per se, or something like that. And, and that was not what, you know, Jesus was, was going to be about. He was bringing a brand new kingdom and, and a spiritual kingdom that, that needed, our hearts needed to be overthrown, not the Romans. And that's what Jesus, Jesus accomplished. And I think, of course, Pentecost is the, 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 that, the pinnacle of all of that when finally they all see what it was all about and you see the power of the Spirit moving in and, in and through them. And so I, I totally agree with you. I think there was a lesson that Jesus wanted to teach them here and he needed to start by them not recognizing him so he could get their eyes fixed on the Old Testament and they could see clearly why, you know, why he had to come and what he had to accomplish. So, and one of the other questions that came up also from the text, you know, it says as the, you know, when, when Jesus finally disappears, it says, you know, that they said, didn't, didn't our hearts burn within us as, as we heard these words, as, as he, you know, he, you know, exposited the scriptures to them. And, and this is kind of where the Mormons kind of get this, this thing of, uh, you know, this burning in the bosom idea of, of, you know, if you read the Book of Mormon and you have a burning in the bosom, then that means it's true. And that was a question that also came up. Yeah, in fact, so uh, if you've ever had an encounter with Mormon missionaries, you know, I actually used to encounter them a lot more in Hungary than I do here. But this would be one of the things that they would, they would often say to people is, you know, you would express some sort of skepticism about the Book of Mormon. Maybe it's historical veracity, which I think is really questionable. Not, I mean, more than questionable. I mean, it's been the, the things that the Book of Mormon claims as historical facts are things which have been proven to not be true. They were written before those things could be empirically proven. And now that they are empirically proven, we know that they're not true. But when you bring that up to them and say, hey, you know, Book of Mormon claims this, particularly about Native Americans being uh, ancestors of the Jews who came over on, on a rebuilt ark, etc. They'll say, well, well, listen, don't, you know, don't worry about all these questions about facts and stuff. Here's what you need to do. Read the book and see if you get a burning in the bosom. And if you get a burning in the bosom, then you'll know that it's really from God, and then you'll have to become a Mormon. And, um, you know, first of all, that's highly subjective. But the other thing is that there's a subliminal way in which they're planting an idea. This is something that, like, for example, um, hypnotists do, is that they'll plant an idea in your mind. When I do this, you are going to feel this. And so because that's planted in your mind, there can be this kind of way in which your mind, you know, tells yourself, oh, maybe I am feeling that, right? So in my opinion, this is um, not at all a good way to go about testing the veracity or the truthfulness of something, right? Um, that's highly subjective. You're planting an idea in someone's mind. I think as Christians, when we come to the scriptures, we want to have what I would say much more integrity than that. And the integrity would be to say, if something's true, it will hold up historically, it will hold up in every way, and um, this is something that um, I always like that Charles Spurgeon said. He said, how do you defend the Bible? So I don't know, how do you defend a lion? You let it out of its cage. You know, you don't have to defend a lion. And in the same way, if the Bible's true, we, we don't need to go around defending the Bible. Now, we can, give, we can help people to understand things that they probably didn't know, give them more information so that they can know. But that, again, that's the key. We're giving them information so that they can see what's 
clearly there, as opposed to just saying, well, whether it's historically accurate or not, all that matters is that you get a subjective feeling. That, that's not the right way. It's not, I don't think it has much integrity to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, completely, completely agree. But we would also say that we also, you know, believe in having subjective feelings to objective truth in, in scripture. And uh, we, we want, I mean, if you don't have an, an emotional response to what Jesus has done for you, what Easter represents, then you should really check your heart and say, have I really truly understood what Christ has done for me and what the resurrection truly means? It should, we should have that burning. We should have, when we get into the scriptures and we understand the truth and we understand what it really means for us as sinners, enemies of God who die, you know, and he, he, chased after us you know it's kind of preview for next week's sermon you know that that you know that idea that we should have an emotional response to that you know and and so that you know we don't want to discount you know people say well you know of course it's all about empirical truth and all that kind of thing but we want we're going to have and we should have subjective emotional responses to the empirical truth of scripture totally agree in fact i mean that that is something i said during this during the sermon is that's what I want, you know, that I want you to burn in your heart when you hear the word of God and when you hear it expounded. You know, it's, it's funny. I, uh, I had something happen to me that I, I was a little bit embarrassed about. Um, and so what happened is that on Good Friday, during the first service particularly, I find myself talking about the cross and I actually started to get kind of emotional and it, it snuck up on me. I didn't expect it. I didn't particularly like it. <laughs> and I tried to tried to shove those emotions back down while I still could. But I mean, if I hadn't, I think I probably would have like lost it. Like, and it was weird because, you know, I mean, I've been studying about the cross for quite some time, a fair amount of time, let's say. And, uh, and yet it just hit me like really hard. And I, I kind of became emotional. I'm not much of a, not much of a emotional type of guy. Like I even told a story about how Rosemary really wanted me to cry at our wedding. And I'm like, nope, not going to do it. (laughs) Yeah. But then it happened to me. And then it happened to me again during second service. And then somebody texted me afterwards and they were like, Hey, did you have a cold? And they were, they were joking. They they were giving me a hard time because they knew that I was a little bit embarrassed by it. But point being that I'm so with you, you know, I don't think we want to manufacture those things. I don't think we want to like, you know, I don't know, cause it, they try and manipulate that in somebody. But really that's the thing when it really hits you, when it's true. And when it, when you realize the reality of it, oh man, it, it does yeah. affect you. Oh yeah. No, I'm, there's certain lines and songs at certain times that do the same thing when I'm in the middle of it, of leading worship or something like that will really, really, really hit me hard, you know, and then I'm trying to, trying to sing. And as you say, you're trying to talk and, you know, trying to push back some the emotion and keep going you know so but uh, we had a few of those on Sunday morning when we sang that song mm. you know because he lives there were people few people out there that were just breaking down as that they sang that song you know and understood the the the, the impact of that because Christ lives we can face tomorrow the next day the weeks to come and because he is risen and that risen life, that resurrection power is now in living in and through us. And so that's going to be the theme for the next uh, few weeks. If you stick with us, the risen life, understanding what Easter truly means. It's just it was an event that happened. 
a historical event, but it has so much impact and so much uh, effect on us for the rest of our lives, 2,000 plus years later, and it's still working, the Spirit of God working in and through His church and through His people. And so we're going to look at that and what that means for you. And so stick with us, uh, whitefieldschurch.com. You get over there, you can download uh, the sermon if you missed it and any of your favorite podcast platforms. Subscribe like, ring the bell, do all that kind of stuff, and we'll see you next week. God bless.